slides that go with the sermon for today. So, people in the back, onegaishimasu, slides. <laughs> have, have, this is the last slide. All right? You got to see them all. Oh, no, they know my sermon already. Okay, well, I don't have to give it. That was it. It was the shortest sermon <laughs> we've ever had here at KUC. <laughs> no, you have to bear with me. Okay, God's majestic earth. It ties in with our Psalm 8 reading for today. Now, with the next slide, have you ever wondered about your place in this world? Have you ever wondered why God put you here? Now, that's a personal, a very personal question, but before you answer it on an individual level, you must find the answer on a larger level. What is the place of humans in this world? Why did God put us here? Because until you understand the place of humans in this world, the big picture, how can you understand your own individual place in the picture? Psalm 8 is a beautiful hymn of praise to God. Like many of the Psalms, it was written by David. David begins and ends the Psalm with the words of praise and acclamation. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And here we have David on this slide playing his harp to the sheep. Because the psalm speaks of God's creation and the night sky in particular, it was probably sung quite often in the evening worship beneath the very skies under which the words were originally composed. The psalm is in the second person. David addresses God throughout the psalm. And as he speaks to God, David reflects both on God's creation and human's place in God's creation. And so, as we study this psalm together this morning, we will seek the answer to this question. What does Psalm 8 teach us about our place in God's creation? Well, first of all, Psalm 8 teaches us that God is greater than all of us. O Lord, O God, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. As we have seen, David begins and ends the whole psalm with these words of praise. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, if you look at this verse closely in your Bible, or up on the screen here, you'll notice that there are two different representations of the word Lord in the verse. The first one is Lord in all capital letters. Can you see that? All caps. And the second one is Lord, which is the first letter capitalized. That is the way most English Bible translations distinguish between the two words for Lord in Hebrew. When you see the word Lord in all capital letters, that is the actual name of God. That is the name Yahweh, as revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And it's a name that speaks of God's self-existence and eternal nature. When you see the word Lord, which is the first letter capitalized, that translates the word, the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord or Master. Yahweh is God's personal name. Adonai is a title. Some of you who are perhaps my age remember Amy Grant, and she sings the song El Shaddai, El Shaddai, and she sings about Adonai. Yep. 
Even though Roy's a lot younger than I am, he likes old praise music. So anyway, it's a wonderful song. You can Google it later by Amy Grant. And so David addresses God in this psalm by both God's name and God's title. He says, O Yahweh, our Lord and Master, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God's name refers to God's person and nature. The word majestic translates into a word meaning great or glorious or excellent. And so David is saying in this verse 1 that there's no place you can go on earth where God's power and greatness and glory cannot be seen. God is greater than all, first of all, because God's name is majestic in all the earth. You have set his glory above the heavens. God is greater than all because he set his glory above the heavens. And we see this in the second half of verse 1. God's glory and majesty not only fill the earth and universe, his glory and majesty extend beyond the universe. God has set his glory not in the universe, but above and beyond all created things. In other words, as great as the universe is, God is greater. And as big as the universe is, God is bigger. King Solomon understood this when Solomon dedicated the newly built temple, asking God to bless the temple with his presence. He prayed this prayer. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. That's found in 1 Kings 8, verse 27. God is not contained by the universe. He has set his glory above the heavens. God is greater than all. Another way that Psalm teaches us that God is greater than all is this. God can silence his enemies even through the praises of little children. If you look at verse 2, you see this. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. God is not threatened in the least by his enemies. Even the praises of little children can defeat those who would attempt to stand against God and God's ways. Jesus quoted this very verse when he was healing in the temple, and the children were proclaiming him as the Messiah, shouting out, Hosanna, the son of David. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were indignant at this, and they asked Jesus, Do you hear? Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replied, Yes. And then he quoted Psalm 8, verse 2. Have you never read... From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. So Psalm 8 teaches us about our place in the universe, is that that God, God is indeed greater than all. The beauty of God's creation should cause us to worship the Creator, even though it is distorted by sin. We can still see the beauty of the Creator reflected in all of creation. This is the one area where David and those who lived in his time probably had the advantage over us. 
We may have a greater knowledge of the universe than they did, but they certainly had a more direct experience of nature than we do today. You can just picture David lying on his back under the stars as he tends his sheep, and he's staring up at the stars and looking at the awesome beauty and wonder of God's creation in the heavens. On some of our family vacations, when my kids were little, we often went to Nojiri, Lake Nojiri, where a lot of missionaries go for a vacation. And you can see the stars clearly at night. It's very beautiful because it's so far away from the city lights. And that's what David must have seen every night, beautiful, beautiful stars, which reminded him of God's creation. But the heavens are just one example of God's beauty in creation. The mountains, the ocean, the forest trees ablaze with color in this fall, even the birds. God created all things good. And all the beauty we see in God's creation should cause us to worship the Creator. The vastness of God's creation should cause us to consider our place in the universe. David said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is human? Now growing up, I watched Star Trek. Anybody watch Star Trek here? How about the old Star Trek, the TV version of Star Trek? Okay, Larry remembers, of course. Yes, anyone else here? You've probably seen the newer movies as well. But it was fun to watch, and it was fun to think about life on other planets and other types of people. Whether there really is life on other planets, I don't know, but when Stephen Hawking calculated the mathematical possibility of life developing here on Earth, he came up with the answer, zero. In other words, apart from God, we shouldn't be here. C.S. Lewis wrote a science fiction novel about another world called Perilandra, where the people had not fallen into sin as they had on our planet. Well, is there life on other planets? We don't know. God hasn't told us, but there could be. We don't know because God is the God of all the universe. But we do know this, we're not alone in the universe because God is there. The sheer size of the universe can drive some people to despair because when it comes to the size in the universe, we are really nothing. But that, that does not mean we are insignificant. Yes, the universe is very big, and yes, we are very small, but God has a place for all of us, for all of us in all of this. David goes on to remind us that God made humans the ruler of all creation. As David wrote in Psalms 8, you made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. God made humans the ruler of all creation, but does this mean we can do whatever we want with creation? Well, the answer is no, because as image bearers of God, our rule over the created world should reflect God's, God's wise rule over God's creation. 
We read in Genesis 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man out of, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. The verbs here are very significant. The word translated work is the Hebrew word for serve. The word translated take care is a word that means to keep, to guard, to watch over, to protect. If you remember in one of the first sermons I preached here on the season of creation, I talked about tikkum olam, caring for the earth. In other words, humans are not to be tyrant rulers over creation, but we are to be servant leaders over creation. God gave humans the stewardship of the earth to serve the land and take care of it under God's care. God gave humans responsibility. The Christian cares for the earth because God created it and because God gave us the responsibility to take care of it. And this is what Christian environmentalism is. Now, a few weeks, the past few weeks, I've talked a few times about Greta Thunberg and also the Climate Justice March. And I said that I went on the march on September 20th at the Minato no Midori Cohen to walk. It was a small group. There was probably less than 100 people there. But in other parts of the world, and you can see in this photo, there were a lot more people. Yesterday, as I was looking at a message on Facebook from a friend who lives in Montreal, she said they had half a million people there for this climate march. And that's pretty significant, because Montreal only has a little under two million people. So this is part of what it means to be faithful stewards of God's creation, to advocate for God's creation, to work together. And in this case, to listen to our young people who have inspired us to perhaps march and to get our leaders to change the world. It's important to note that the final verses in Psalm 8 are applied specifically to Jesus in the New Testament. You can see this in 1 Corinthians 15 and Hebrews 2, chapter 5. We have been crippled in our attempts to fulfill our rightful place in the world because of sin, because Jesus came to deliver us from sin and to lead us one day to our rightful place as rulers over all of creation. Jesus came to restore the creation to its original glory and then give it back to us. So this time, this time we'll do it right. This time we will be faithful stewards of God's creation, rejoicing in the gifts of creation and returning those gifts in thanksgiving and praise back to God. That, in fact, is your individual place in this world. Using the gifts that God has given you, each one of you, to serve in this world and to bring God's glory. And so that is our place in this world. We are under God and over the world. And what should our response be to all of this? We should be awestruck at God's majesty and creation. Notice again, this is how David begins and ends the psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Number two, we should be amazed at God's love and concern for us. David looked 
at the beautiful vastness of the heavens and said, What is man that you have you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Number three, we should seek to be good and faithful stewards over God's creation. God has given us both rulership and responsibility. As Christians, we must be wise rulers over this beautiful creation that God has given to us. So this ends the sermon series for this month, the sermon series for the season of creation, because next week we're going to celebrate World Communion Sunday, and we're going to move on to the theme of giving and stewardship, and then on to Advent. But this does not end our chance to work for climate justice and care for God's creation. So we go forth. We go forth today to look for ways that we, we as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, how we can change the world. Amen. And now it's time for tithes and offerings. And I can't say it any better than Roy just said it when he was talking about the children when they do their collection. So please give back some that God has given you this week. As we collect the money, uh, Joyce Wang will play All My Hope on the piano.
please stand for the doxology. Please remain standing for the prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these gifts that have been given to the, in your name. And all these gifts, including the, the ones from the children downstairs, we will put together and bless the church leaders who have to decide how to spend this money to honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We come to a time where we pray our prayers of joy and concern to the Lord. We are a praying church. People write down their prayers that wish to in the back of the church in this book, and we pray for them during the worship service. We also have a prayer chain and a box for prayers in the church foyer. And you are also welcome to pray after the service is over with anyone who is a member here, a Christian, with the pastor, anyone on our um, church council. So just know that we are a praying church. Let us be in prayer. Creator God, you call us to love and serve you with body, mind, and spirit through your loving creation. Open our hearts in compassion and receive these petitions on behalf of the needs of the church and the world. Dear Lord, we pray for countries in turmoil, for West Papua, Indonesia, for Hong Kong, the Bahamas, the Amazon forest, and other places in our world today. We pause as we pray and remember those places in our hearts. Dear Lord, guide with your wisdom those who have power and authority that by the decisions they make, life may be cherished and a good and fruitful earth may continue to show your glory and sing your praises. In Christ, you called us to a new way of life, loving our neighbors before ourselves. Help us.